Well, good morning. It is so great to be in Birmingham from Atlanta. Um, it, it, it's fun to be able to visit some of our Irresistible Network churches. And, and when I was leaving Atlanta, I was talking to one of our staff guys who knows all the churches and all the different people that are leading them. And he said, you're going to love Mountaintop Church and you're going to love Carter and Emily. And he was exactly right. You guys have an amazing staff here at Mountaintop. So it's such a joy and such an honor to be here. Um, as Carter mentioned, Andy and I started North Point a chunk of years ago. And um, we've been married 35 years next month. We've got three kids, as he mentioned. Andrew is 31, Garrett is 29, and Allie is 27. We've got an eight-month-old grandbaby, and I could just talk about her the whole time, but I'd probably be the only one who would enjoy that, so I won't do that. Um, but as I thought about, parenting has been on my mind a lot because Andy and I created this resource back in January. It launched, and so we've been thinking about parenting a lot. We've been talking about parenting, and as we began this, you know, kind of putting material together, we were walking down memory lane a lot, you know, talking about stories and different things that we learned along the way. Um, but as I thought about today, and as I thought about this particular audience, I recognize that this is a much broader audience than just parents who have kids at home. Um, and But we have some parenting principles, and the good thing about a principle is principles are like an equation, and we can leverage principles just about in any demographic, just about any little area of life. Um, so I picked a few of the parenting principles that I think actually more broadly apply rather than just, um, just to the parents in the room. Um, but when I'm talking about parenting, feel free to adjust it based on your season of life and find some application based on where you sit um, in your in your stage and stage of life. I will say this though: I love talking to parents. I love talking to young moms. I love talking to people who kind of have some parenting journey ahead of them. And um, so, just so I'll know, how many of you have kids still at home, like under eighteen? So a bunch of you. How many empty nesters are in the room? Isn't it awesome? It's awesome, right? Parents are rock stars, though. Parents are rock stars, whether you feel like you're a rock star or not, because I remember what it takes just to get out of the door in the morning. Um, and, and now I have the contrast of, of being an empty nester and, and loving it. And the thing about empty nester, here's some advantages. You only have to find one pair of shoes when you're walking out the door, you know, one pair of shoes. You only have to wash the crust off of one face you know, in the morning. Remember all of you who've been parents and those of your parents now, remember the, that thing where you clean everybody's face with the spit on your, and you hated it when your parents did it to you and yet you're doing it, you know, so it's just a universal thing. Um, also, when as an empty nester, when you're loading, hardly anybody's crying when you load in the car. It's great. So there's so, so many advantages. But back to parent, parenting, um, writing a parenting resource is super scary, and it's scary because it seems to imply um, that we were perfect parents, and we had perfect kids, or that we think we were perfect parents, that we had perfect kids, and none of that, neither of those things are true, of course. There is one perfect parent, and we are not him. Um, writing a parenting book also seems to imply that we have all the answers and that if you'll just follow this formula I'm about to give you, you're just going to crush the parenting thing. Your kids are going to be amazing. Um, but if you've parented longer than a week and a half, you know, there 
are no formulas to parenting. There are no formulas. Nobody has all the answers. Parenting is complicated. And the further you get into it, the more you realize parenting, parenting is complicated. And for those of you sitting in the parenting seat, you want to get it right. There's a lot at stake as a parent and you want to get it right. But to do that, you have to know what it is. What, what exactly are we trying to get right? What are we trying to accomplish? And because Andy and I are super creative people, we entitled our parenting book, Parenting. <laughs> and um, I, I'm not creative anyway, truly, I'm not creative. I'm more analytical. I like solving for X, okay? Andy's supposed to be creative, and he's supposed to use that side of his brain, and yet Clearly, it doesn't translate to book titles. So anyway, so the, the, parent, the book is entitled Parenting, Getting It Right. That's the subtitle. And it is in there for a reason. It's italicized in the, in the um, title for a reason because every parent is parenting in a direction, whether they realize it or not. Maybe it's an obedience direction. Maybe it's an academic, academic direction. Maybe, you know, they want their kids to get somewhere academically that they never did or have opportunities they didn't have. Maybe it's an NFL direction or an MLB direction or a Broadway direction or something. Um, maybe, if you're a little bit like me, it's a just don't embarrass me direction. You know, just can you just not, okay? Um, also, if you've got a bunch of kid, little ones at home, it's probably like a survival direction. Like, we just got to make it through the day, y'all. I mean, can we just make it to the day with everybody still breathing? So, but you are parenting in a direction. Everybody's parenting in a direction. And here is the wonderful and also maybe scary thing. It is wonderful if you're parenting in a good direction. It's accidentally scary if you're not. Direction determines destination. The direction you choose determines the destination. The direction that you don't choose is still going to determine your destination. If you don't choose your, your direction ahead of time, it is likely that you will end up parenting in a direction that you would not have chosen had you taken the time to choose. So Andy and I um, decided that we were going to choose our direction ahead of time. We called it our bullseye on the target, our North Star of parenting. Um, in the book title, we call it the it. So I want to tell you a little bit of our story um, to kind of tell, show you how we arrived at this particular destination that we chose. Um, when we started dating, and I'll, I'll say Andy's about eight years older than me, so when we um, started dating, I was still at Georgia Tech. I was in my junior year. He was the guest speaker at my Bible study, and um, we had a mutual friend who harassed him into calling me, and he thought that was so tacky. You know, he's already out of college, out of seminary, back at, in Atlanta working with his dad. He thought it was so tacky. Remember me, the Bible study teacher, you want to go out? You know, and he just thought, I, I'm just not doing that. So finally, our friend harassed him to the point where he finally did. And so we're sitting on our first date. I'm a junior in college. He's like a man with a job. And um, we're sitting there, and he said, so have you, um, have you ever worked with, with teenagers before? And I'm like, I just finished being a teenager. So no, I have not worked with teenagers before. But anyway, when we started dating and into our first um, few years of marriage, he noticed something about my family that I just thought was normal. He noticed that we all loved being together and that we actually went to great lengths to have time together. My parents lived in, I grew up in middle Georgia, Dublin, Georgia, middle of the state, moved to Atlanta to go to school. So, you know, I was, we were making great efforts to be together with our family, my brother and sister and me. And this was new for him, and it, but it was just normal 
to me. Um, and I'll press pause for just a second and let you know, the Walker family, we were a normal family. My brother, sister, I'm the middle child of three, so there was the five of us. And my brother, sister, and I, we just wanted to do our own thing. You know, we just wanted to be with our friends and all that during those, during those years. But as we got older and as we began gaining maturity, we found that we liked each other and we loved having time together and enjoyed each other's company. And that was kind of what Andy noticed. Um, so when we actually became parents a few years later, we talked about the kind of family we wanted to have. Like, what kind of family do we want to build? What, you know, what do we want this to look like? And we decided that we wanted a family who loved each other and wanted to be together long term. Not in some weird codependent way, you know, or, or, but in a healthy relationship kind of way. So here's how we eventually wrap some words around that idea. We wanted to raise kids who wanted to be with us and with each other when they no longer had to be. That's, that, that was our bullseye on the target. We wanted to raise kids who wanted to be with us and be with each other when they no longer had to be. So that became our it, and that became the direction in which we parented. We had defined our destination, and we set our direction accordingly. And what that meant for us, practically speaking, was that through all the different seasons of the parenting journey, we parented our kids with the relationship in mind. Um, I know that can sound kind of selfish, though. We just want our kids to be all about us their whole lives. Um, but here's the thing. When the relationship between young adult children and their parents is healthy and good and enjoyable, it's a win for everybody in the family. You enjoy being together. You want to be together. And here's the great thing. Opportunity for influence is in place. Opportunity with, with, for influence is in place, and you want that as parents of adult children. In the parent event this afternoon after this, we're going to talk about some nuts and bolts, things about parenting. Um, but for this morning, I want to talk about one particular thing that I think is most important as we think about current relationships and future relationships with our kids or just relationships in life in general, especially as we consider the heart of our Heavenly Father and what seems to be so important to Him. So I want to talk about relationship restoration relationship restoration. One of the main things that we focused on with our kids in every different stage and season of parenting was the idea of restoring broken relationships. And this made total sense to us based on our bullseye on the target because that bullseye was relational. And as we walk with Jesus through the Gospels, and especially read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, we see that Jesus was first and foremost concerned with restoring broken relationships. His primary reason for coming to earth was to restore the relationship between people and their Heavenly Father, taking our sin debt on Himself so that we could be in right relationship with God. That is the gospel. That is the good news. And it's better than just good news. It is overwhelmingly amazing news. And I think we often forget the magnitude of its impact. Um, I want to read you one of my very favorite little chunks of scripture 
I actually memorized it a few years ago. Um, And I think this passage of scripture puts an exclamation point on how amazing God's pursuit of us is in his divine work of restoring our relationship to himself. Um, Think about the details of this passage. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace as expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. This is so incredibly powerful to me, and what is further amazing is that in nearly every encounter recorded in Scripture, Jesus is addressing relational restoration. That chunk of Scripture is all about relational restoration. So if you've parented very long, especially with multiple children, you know that the biggest job, one of the biggest jobs in parenting is helping our kids restore relationships. You might not think of it that way, but nearly all of our correcting and our disciplining is about relationships in parenting. So from the very earliest years of parenting, we disciplined our children for three things, dishonesty, disobedience, and disrespect. We did not discipline our children for being childish because children are childish. They do childish things because they're children, right? We coached them through childish things. We talked them through childish things. We helped them develop appropriately out of it as they grew up, but we disciplined for the three Ds, dishonesty, disrespect, disobedience. And this was super important because we were parenting with the relationships in mind. So these were so important to stay on top of. Here's, exact, here's the real root of the reason why these three things are so important to stay on top of as parents. On the other side of dishonesty is a person who is hurt, a relationship that is damaged. On the other side of disobedience is a bruised relationship because rules are to protect our kids and the people around them. On the other side of disrespect is a relationship that is impacted negatively. So we always disciplined with relationship restoration in mind. Life is relationships. You know this. Your relationships, you know, life is relationships. It's relationships with your employees, your employer, your coworkers, your parents, your children, your grandchildren. Life is just relationships. In our discipline, we are preparing our children for a lifetime of relationships. So part of learning how to restore broken relationships, especially as it relates to parenting, is understanding how to apologize. Understanding how to apologize. We worked with our kids on this a lot. When we offend someone or when our children offend someone, four things we do. We own it, we apologize, we make it right, and we allow time for recovery. So I want to break those four pieces of an apology down. The first one, own it. Don't defend, don't blame, simply own it. I see how my words hurt you. I see how the words I chose hurt you. 
I hope you can forgive me. I took your toy. I shouldn't have done that. I'm owning it. For those of you in the workforce, adults in the the room, I took your idea and pretended it was mine. Own it. Simply take what you did, put words around it, own it. The second part of an overall apology is to actually apologize. Short and sweet. I am so sorry your words, I'm so sorry my words hurt you. I hope you will forgive me. Sorry doesn't cut it. If you have boys in your home and you tell them to apologize, they're going to go, sorry. And it's so heartfelt. And you just see the healing, you know, you just see the healing happen in that moment. No, we told our kids, sorry is not a sentence. Sorry is not a sentence. We made our kids say, Andrew, Garrett, Allie, Mom, whoever, I am so sorry I blank, fill in the blank. I hope you can forgive me. Dad, I'm so sorry I called you a stupid doo-doo head. You're not one, and I'm so sorry. Um, that's a true story. Uh, middle son, four years old, cookie-related, I think. Um, so, so own it, apologize. Third, make it right. There is certainly a time for restitution, replacing something we broke, returning something we took, or offering a gift with our apology. Restitution certainly does not undo the offense or what we did or what our child did, but it often underscores the sincerity of the apology. And then allow time for recovery. Don't ask someone if they will forgive you, demanding an immediate answer. If, while someone is hurting, you say, will you please forgive me? They're obligated, they feel obligated to give you an answer. And that is like you're asking for something else on top of what you already did to them. And they might not be ready. They might still be in pain. So instead, after your apology, say something like, when you are ready, I hope you will forgive me. You do not get to dictate how long someone needs for recovery. So when you hurt someone or when your children hurt someone, own it, apologize, make it right, and allow time for recovery. All of this is part of training our kids to restore relationships when they're broken. So I want to uh, share a story. This is a true story. No names are changed to protect the guilty parties. Um, When our boys were around 8 and 10 years old, Allie was 6 because they're all, you know, about 20 months apart. Um, They, we, Andy and I had somewhere we had to go, so we got a babysitter and we headed out. And when we got home, they were all asleep and we asked the babysitter, we said, hey, how was the night? How did it go? And she's like, I mean... Well, I mean, you know, she, you could tell the something did not go well. And she was not the kind of babysitter that loved to throw the kids under the bus. So we had to sort of pull all the information out of Julie. And basically, we found out the boys had been extremely disrespectful to her. So they were sound asleep. So the next morning, I wake up the boys, and I was homeschooling during the season of life. And so we had a little more flexibility to be creative. But I woke the boys up, and I said, hey, I need you all to brush your teeth, get dressed, do all of your things, and then meet me downstairs in the kitchen. So they came downstairs, and I had some note cards out, and I made them write some notes to Julie, apologizing. We talked through the night and what had happened, and I made them write some apology notes. And so they finished their notes, and I said, now I need you to go upstairs and get your wallets and then meet me in the car. And now this is the season, okay, they're 8 and 10 years old, so they're just realizing money is great. And we had graduated from spend, save, give jars, and all the this, um, spend was in their wallets. And so, you know, they're feeling some ownership of what's in their wallets. And I'm like, I need you to go get your wallets and meet me in the car. And their eyes are kind of big. So we get in the car, and I'm like, okay, we're headed to Publix, and you're going to buy Julie some flowers with your money. 
And then we're going to take the notes and the flowers, and we're going to go to Julie's office, and you're going to look her in the eye, and you're going to apologize in person and give her the flowers and the notes. And they're like, oh, Mom, please just, you know, spank us, you know. Just please just take some away. Just do it different. Do we have to do that? I mean, they were horrified, this whole idea. And so we did it. They went and they bought some, some flowers and did the whole thing, and we march into Julie's office, and you have to walk by all the cubicles of all these other people, and they're all like, oh, look at those cute little boys, you know, flowers and, and the notes. And, so we get over to Julie, they hand it to her, they look her in the eyes, and they're like, Julie, we're so sorry that we were disrespectful. We hope that you'll forgive us. And, you know, here's the thing. Julie was fine. Julie was fine the night before. Julie was fine. But this was an opportunity for our boys to learn, and Allie to learn, that we circle back when we break a relationship. We circle back when we're dishonest. We circle back when we're disrespectful. We circle back when we're disobedient. And we make those relationships right. The relationship gets restored. So again, we want our kids to know how to restore relationships when they're broken. And here's something that is not a mystery to any of us. We've seen this play out in our own lives and in the lives of people around us. The happiness factor in life is often proportionate to the health of one's most important relationships. Happiness in life is related to and often proportionate to the health of one's most important relationships. And this is where we encounter a huge truth about God. It is made very clear to us in the first chapter of the very first book of the Bible that we are made in God's own image. We are image bearers of the living God. And because he is a perfect parent, he does not have arbitrary rules. Every single rule we have, everything that is called sin, in scripture is called that because it dishonors God or dishonors ourselves or dishonors another person. We are made in the image of a relational God. Our relationship with him and our relationships with the people around us are of utmost importance to him. And that is precisely why in Matthew 5, Jesus says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. So Jesus is saying, the relationships around you are so important that I don't want you coming to me to make things right with me until you have made things right with them. Relationships are of utmost importance to God. How we treat others is so important to him. So important, in fact, that in Matthew 22, he answers the question of a Pharisee who's actually trying to trap Jesus with this question. The Pharisee asks him, what is the most important commandment? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Vertical is important, but horizontal is important to our Heavenly Father too. So from the babysitter story that I told you, let's fast forward about a decade. Our, our middle son was super disrespectful to me. He was in his truck. He was headed off somewhere. Super, super disrespectful. And I often refer to this story as Andy's finest parenting moment. So this is, this is the story. Because we had decided ahead of time that any discipline we gave out to our kids would be geared first and foremost toward relationship restoration, this is what Andy decided for Garrett. 
you have to ask your mom out on a date, drive her to dinner, pay for dinner at a nice place, not McDonald's, and have a conversation to restore the relationship. And I'm telling you, I can remember, you know how when, when really pivotal things happen in your life, you have a snapshot of the moment. I have a snapshot of my brown-eyed, handsome, sweet son sitting across from me at Macaroni Grill. We got olive oil right here with pepper on it, and we're dipping our butter, I mean our bread in it. And Garrett looks up at me, and he says, Mom, I am so sorry that I was disrespectful to you the other day. You do not deserve that, and I hope you will forgive me. And I was like, no, I'm mad. So I was fine. I was fine after it happened. I was fine. But Garrett knew and Andy knew and I knew it is so important to circle back, especially in the most important relationships in our lives, and restore the relationship. This relationship was absolutely restored. Um, this was such a win. And here's the thing about it. Did, we did not always get this right. You know, sometimes in the heat of the moment of parenting, it's just too hard to give so many mental calories to figuring out some elaborate plan, you know, for your kids to restore relationships. But if you do take the time to do that, it is so much more powerful. We did not always get it right, but it was so important for us to, for them to understand how to, how to restore bruised and broken relationships. This is the one thing that will serve them so well, and it will keep their hearts like the heart of their heavenly father who is all about relationship restoration. So one more story. When we were outlining the content for the parenting book, a team from our resources department at church decided they were going to take our three kids out to dinner, just them, without their spouses, fiancés all at the time, without just, just the three of them, without Andy and me. And um, we, Andy and I kind of laughed and said, I mean, are they trying to figure out if we're telling the truth in the book about our stories or stuff? I don't know. But they were, they were actually trying to kind of mine some more stories out of our kids for some video content. So they took them to a nice Italian restaurant. They, they all met. They did the thing they planned to do. Then the team left, and our three kids were standing outside the restaurant, and they decided that they weren't ready to part ways yet. It was so rare for the three of them to be together by themselves that they walked down the way at Avalon to Cafe Intermezzo and had coffee and dessert and just kind of spent some time just, you know, just spending more time together. And I just want to pause that story and tell you there were seasons in our family journey where I didn't even think our kids were going to like each other. You know, they didn't want to even be in the same room with each other at certain seasons of life. So we were such a normal family. And to watch our children enjoy each other and choose each other as they got older, there's just no greater joy than that. I feel like that's, you know, the heart of our Heavenly Father is for all of our relationships to be good. And I think that that is the image of God in a parent, to watch their, your kids love each other so well. It's a powerful thing. Um, so we, we were not, we were a very real family. We didn't have it together all the time. And yet, parenting with relationships in, their, in, in mind, their, our kids' relationship with their heavenly father, their relationships with us, and their relationships with each other got us to the finish line with kids who seemed to want to be with us and with each other, even when they no longer have to be. And that was our bullseye 
on the target. Um, I want to wrap up by addressing what is sometimes kind of an elephant in the room, I think, in a church or in an environment where people love the Lord and, and have a common desire to raise kids who have strong faith. Um, the pushback is sometimes, okay, why was that your bullseye on the target? Why isn't your bullseye on the target your kids being people of faith and church attenders and, you know, all the things, um, re- believe, you know, living according to biblical principles, all that. And to that, I will say, threaded through absolutely everything we did in our parenting journey was encouragement for our kids to own their faith, that their faith would not just be something that's mom and dad's, and it wouldn't be something that we just do on Sundays, but that they would come to faith in Jesus, that they would be baptized, that they would understand, practically speaking, what it means to be a Jesus follower in every context of their lives, and to coach them through the different seasons of their development in ways that honor God and honor other people. And while there are so many variables outside of our control as parents, um, we wanted to leverage our influence and leverage opportunities to lead our kids relationally to a faith that lasts, a faith that could stand up to the rigors of college classes later, um, to a faith that could stand up to young adult friends who challenge their trust, trust in Christ. Um, so parenting with the relationship in, our, in mind was our primary way and our overarching approach to helping our kids develop a faith of their own that would transfer to adulthood, a lifelong abiding faith in Christ that allows them and encourages them to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. That is what serves our kids well, and that's what happens on the heels of healthy relationships. So, direction determines destination. As parents, as grandparents, as people who want to be parents someday, direction determines destination. So choose your direction carefully and intentionally move along the path toward that destination. Um, I would love to pray for us and then turn it back over to Carter. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for every person in this room, Father, for the families they represent, for the children, the grandchildren they represent, Father. We all want to get this right. We want to lead our kids to have a faith of their own, Father. So I pray that you would give us wisdom about that. And God, just as followers of you, believers in you, Father, would you just give us eyes to see as you see and the courage and the obedience to do as as you say, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Would you give Sandra a hand? Sandra, as a father of four teenage boys, I'm going to steal, uh, sorry is not a sentence. Sorry is yeah. not a sentence. Yeah. We talk about that a lot. Like we, we talk, you have to say, at least I'm. Yeah, that does things, make it a sentence. Yeah, yeah one of yeah, the things we do verb. Yeah. is uh, the, the, often the response to that is like, especially when they were little, it was like, it's okay, or it's fine. And we just tried to tell them to say, no, we, we are people of faith. We say, I forgive you, yeah. right? Yeah. Because we, we forgive because we have been forgiven, and That's we want right. to teach that. So that was so good. So many important, and I love that word you use, principles. Because as parents, man, we just want to control them. But I'm learning as now we send one off to college. No one told us these children had free will when they were little. Know. And they have free will, and if you're an empty nester, you know that they make their own decisions, but if we can just give them kind of those, those principles. Mm-hmm. And I saw so many 
uh, folks at this service and the service before, these young couples coming in, maybe newly married, and they want to have kids. And I love what you said about direction determines destination. destination. Yeah. If you're young and you're thinking about having kids, you, you're setting your direction even before they're here. That's right. Right? So what are your principles as your family going to be? Mm -hmm. So thank you so much. Yep. Sandra is going to uh, be at the workshop. We're going to give her a chance to gar grab lunch uh, and eat before that. So I hope you'll uh, do that.